1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 787 with Dr. Haley Perlis. Haley has great science and wisdom and tactics to help you feel great, perform well consistently day after day. So you'll learn one, how just three words can transform your day. Two. How to increase your attention span. And three, the simple secret to feeling more energized. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned here, please pay us a visit over at awesomeatyourjob.com/slash ep787. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some of our goodies like the gold nugget email summaries, which summarize the actionable wisdom Haley and each guest shares. In a quick email write-up, you can read in about two or three minutes, write to your inbox, as well as unlocking the whole vault, the archive of all such Gold Nugget Summaries. You can find that and more goodies at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Haley's story. Dr. Haley Perlis knows what it takes to overcome barriers and achieve peak performance. As an elite alpine ski racer, she competed and trained with the best in the world, pushing herself to the limits time and time again. Now, with a PhD in sports psychology, Haley continues to push boundaries and drive peak performance, helping athletes and Fortune 100 executives reach their goals. Dr. Perlis is a highly sought-after keynote speaker, professor, and author, and consultant to Division I athletes. She's an adjunct professor at the University of Colorado, lecturing on applied sport and exercise psychology at the graduate level. She's authored several books, including the Ultimate Achievement Journal and the Inside Drive, and her articles have been featured in publications such as Thrive Magazine, Fitness Magazine, Idea Fitness Journal, Epic Times, Telluride Inside, and more. Big thanks to Haley for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Now, here's Haley. Haley, welcome to How to Be
2: Awesome at Your Job. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm so excited to dig into your wisdom. And I'm intrigued. You've got a number of impressive credentials, PhD in sports psychology, elite alpine ski racer, and also licensed bartender. What is the story? Do these all three (laughs) fit together some way or, or where's the bartending fit in?
2: Well, the first two don't succeed. Then sometimes all (laughs) you need is a shot, right?
1: (laughs) Good mental health advice right off the bat.
2: (laughs) If we're doomed, you know, there's always tequila and then we'll get back at it tomorrow. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. but. People find that interesting because it's one thing that people don't know about me. However, my mother, my proud mother, has my bartending certificate <laughs> you know, framed above the bar in her house. It's an interesting conversation piece.
1: Oh, that is sweet. Well, I'm curious, do you have any quick mixological tips for you know, non-licensed bartenders, if we would just like our our cocktails to be a little bit more impressive, what should we do?
2: (laughs) The funny thing is, is I don't even really drink. (laughs) So I let everybody else go ahead and loosen up. and, And I just observe clean. Everything can be clean, remove all the sugar and just go for the good stuff.
1: Okay. You got it. All right. Well, now let's talk about peak performance stuff, maybe to kick it off, you could orient us. How do you think about peak performance, particularly in a professional context? Like, like what does this phrase mean to you? Or do you have like a framework that you use to understand this stuff?
2: I do. And peak performance sometimes I think actually veers us off track because when we're looking for peak performance or peak experiences, we want to do it often. We don't want to just pink and then come go back down. So I really think about it as consistent. How can I get the most consistent high performance, which then, you know, is a peak performer. So I just wanted to be, you know, often we are, we're searching for that peak, our best performance, but I want us to have our best performance as often as we possibly can, not just one time consistently being our best.
1: I hear you because peak sort of implies it goes up and then it goes down. And then I have a little point at the top. It's it's the peak. And so so consistent, I, I guess this chart might look like we have ever rising peaks, if you will, and, and we're getting better and better.
2: I love that. Let's go with that. Yes. I mean, we can't always be perfect. There yeah. will be ups and downs, but we're searching for more consistency.
1: All right. Well, so so tell us, you've been studying this stuff for a long time, any particularly surprising or fascinating insights that you've discovered along the way?
2: You know, it's interesting, Pete, when you did talk, go back to my bartending, when you asked me for, you know, one recipe and I just said, keep it clean, you know, eliminate the sugar and just go for the good stuff. That's really what I try to do in my practice, remove all the fluff, all the extra thinking. We want to think less, but more strategically.
1: Okay. I like that.
2: We want to really go for the meat. When we have direction, when we have focus, we can are more inclined to take action and follow through.
1: All righty. And so then let's talk about getting that, that, that focus, that clarity, that strategy going. Do you have any key questions or prompts you use to, to really zero in on that good stuff?
2: I do. I really, and just this morning I was training about five people, all managers and leaders in their various professions. And we started with narrowing it down to three words that would best describe them as their best self. So when they're the most energized, most focused, feeling all the good things, they know who and what matters most to them, what three words would they use to best describe them? Because that then becomes their daily purpose, or at least a daily representation of their purpose. But three gives them direction, gives them focus, and then they're more inclined to take
1: action. Okay. So it's three and not 30. That's certainly focusing. Well, can you give us some examples, uh, three words, best self?
2: For me, I'll tell you, and then I'll, and then I can share with you why it's the number three. And it's not mine. It's actually in the psychology of
1: persuasion where I learned it. Oh, Shaldini?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there you go.
1: we had go. him as a guest. He's awesome. He's awesome.
2: And I love how he shares, you know, the number three, more is confusing, except... With the tasting of gelato, (laughs) (laughs) because then you want to have more experiences. The more flavors, the better. And the color of our tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. But then he says, everything else, we really want to narrow it down to three so that we can focus and have direction. Anything else, we get overwhelmed and confused.
1: Okay, got it.
2: But my three, for myself, I use the word bright. Like I have this big sunshine of my mind, body, and spirit. And what the sun gives the earth is what my brightness gives me. I'm curious as opposed to judgmental. So I'm curious. I want to learn. I want to understand. I ask questions, even though I may not like the answers. Mm -hmm. And I actively listen to you and to also what my body and my mind are telling me. And so each and every day, that is my purpose. That's my goal. That's my intention. I also want to be kind. I also want to be generous. I also want to be empathetic. But if I try to be everything, I will be nothing. So Mm -hmm. if I focus on those three, that will allow me to take action. And I also will be so much more than just those three, but those three gives me purpose, gives me focus.
1: And is the idea that these three are pretty persistent as opposed to a shifting daily intention? It's like, this is the best self and this is what I'm going for day after day.
2: I believe so. I've been playing around with it for myself for years and and it is rather consistent for me. For people who are just starting to figure out their best three words, sometimes you can play around, trial and error. You let it marinate for a little bit before you find it. But I do believe that when we do enough trial and error and self awareness and we do land on three. And then there's a cool factor in this. It's not just having your direction every day you wake up and you want to be these three things so that you can be your best self. It's also catching yourself when you start to lose one of those words. All right. When I'm not energized, when I'm not resilient to the first stressor of my day, for example, I immediately lose my curiosity. Hands down, it is the first word that goes. So as soon as I can catch myself no longer being curious, which usually means I'm judging, (laughs) which usually means I'm judging someone or something, I can stop and reset instead of letting my entire best self get lost or sinking further and further into a, what I call my own quicksand of misery.
1: Oh, there's a turn of a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> a quicksand of misery. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of like that that spiral or that inertia. I guess folks would, might say colloquially, oh, we woke up on the wrong side of the bed or you know, I just noticed something that, I guess I'm being judgmental, I see something that's not right as it should be. And then, and then my brain starts thinking, what's, going, what's wrong with people? Why are we doing it this way? Like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's so inconsiderate. And so then it's like I'm primed to notice other stuff that's jacked up and, and messed up and rail about that inside my head. So that's no fun. So when you do catch yourself, you notice, oh, hey, I'm doing that thing. But then what? What do you do about it?
2: There's a couple of things, but this is where we're really talking now about a lot of recovery pauses. So in life right now, and I say we, as in people in my field, we're really trying to enforce the story of life is a sprint, no longer a marathon. What does that mean? Instead of just going, 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 going. And if you start to not feel great or start to be judgmental, I don't have time to reset. I just got to keep going. No, it's now a sprint. You stress and then you recover. So when I find myself losing my best self, I stop and I take a recovery pause. That might be one minute. It might be five minutes, 10 minutes. And what do I do there? I reset usually my emotions because we are creatures of emotion. We're emotional creatures. So what does that mean? Maybe I listen to music. Maybe I stick my head outside and get some fresh air. Maybe I do some quick deep breathing. Maybe I move my body, connect with a loved one, do gratitude, anything that allows me just to reset my emotions which then allows me to come more into more of a neutral mindset, and then I can refocus and get back my curiosity.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I like that, that lineup there. And so we've got a variety of options on the menu to choose from, and, and they're, they're on the quick side, one, five, 10 minutes. It's funny. I, I've been finding cold water effective for resetting emotions because it's hard to think about much else when your your head is in a, a bucket of ice water. I was just about to say, what does shower. that mean?
2: Are you literally pouring a bucket of cold water over your head? Well,
1: I, I literally have a, a lovely uh, piece of, I guess it's Tupperware um, <laughs> that I, I have in my office refrigerator that I will pull out and, and put my head into at times. So that's weird, (laughs) but I find it effective because it's like, whoo, you know, it's, it's, if you're in a, a funky mood, it's, it's hard to, to fixate on that. And it really does feel like a reset. It's like, okay, well now we're back to, uh, neutral, chilly, energized <laughs> place, you know, let's, let's reset. I, I guess I got a Wim Hof kick, which is how this all started. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah. So you could do Wim
2: Hof breathing. If you don't want to pour cold water over your head, you could follow it. But funny enough, that's actually, I, I was a ski racer and a ski coach and even obviously sports psychology for, for winter sport athletes. Um, just one of the many sports, but we'd put ice cubes down our, our backs, our necks, And again, just a wake-up call, just to get refreshed and renew some energy, which would allow us to then stop for a moment, rethink, reset, be our best self.
1: I like that a lot. And I want to go into some depth on some of these these options. So gratitude has come up a few times on the show. There's a variety of ways to, to do it. How do you find is an effective means of gratitude that provides a reset?
2: Well, in moments where we need reset, when we're in moments where we've lost our best self, usually we're overwhelmed, we're frustrated, we're feeling anxiety. And we don't think we're doing a good enough job, or at least somebody else isn't. <laughs> but um, we can only control ourselves. So I like these two questions. What have I already achieved today? Oh, I like it. And what do I get to do next? So for example... What have I already achieved today is very different than what I haven't yet achieved, which is where I think most of us go. I still have to do this. I haven't done this. I wasn't good enough at this, this. I didn't have enough time for this. But when you think about what you have achieved, it automatically puts you more than a pleasant emotional space and patting yourself on your back increases some concentration, some focus, some motivation. What do I get to do next is very different than the normal, what do I have to do next? we're always thinking about what email I have to respond to, what call I have to get on, what do I have to do? Who do I have to answer to? That creates maybe some negativity. Who do I get to support? How do I get to be challenged? What do I get to learn? What email do I get to be included on, even though there's 500 today? Just the word get, simple word choice, changes our emotional experience, allows us to be a little bit more engaged in that next activity.
1: Well, I like that so much, and I'm reminded of uh, I was I was listening to Brian Cranston's autobiography, and he said stuff that really stuck with him. He's on a set of a TV show, and people were kind of grumbling about the early, early days, early mornings, late hours, and this guy on the set who was like a much bigger star than him at the time said simply, "Well." Beats digging ditches <laughs> in terms of like, yeah, this is a job and it's hard sometimes, but you know, relative to the alternatives, that's something we get to do, which is pretty cool.
2: Always could be worse. I guess you could go there. Yes.
1: <laughs> and that's a really great question that, that focuses your your brain into a positive direction. And I'm thinking something I've been wrestling with here is with regard to is like, oh, emotions provide information and they're useful. And we should ideally, so I'm told, and I think I've reaped some value here, is, is to be curious and explore them and say, hey, what's going on here? And and yet at the same time, I find that when I do that, like if I'm if I'm feeling if I'm in a funk, I'm like, oh, what's going on? It's like I, I'm very adept at coming up with a long list of things <laughs> that are busted and I could be cranky about. And then I kind of feel worse. And then one approach I've I've tried with, with some good results is I say, ask myself, why might I feel amazing in five minutes? Because Mm. it's not like I'm lying to myself. It was like, why am I going to feel amazing in five minutes? You're not, you're still gonna be tired and grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's like, why might I like, well, you know, it's quite possible that I could, you know, achieve this little thing and feel great that uh, it's no longer hanging over my head. quite possible that, boy, I just need a glass of water. (laughs) It's been a few hours and and that would hit the spot. So I find that handy. Do you have any pro tips on engaging our emotions and or positive refocusing questions that are, are super handy?
2: I do agree that all emotions are okay. They all serve us. You know, being angry could, could drive us initially being angry or frustrated or fearful or worried or anxious or sad or depressed, all those unpleasant emotions, they do provide some self-awareness, they do provide polarity. I'm not a big believer in staying with them too long. I do like the, the non-judgment. I do like the hmm, okay, I'm angry. but then I need to get myself over to the pleasant side in order for me for me to do anything effectively with that anger. If I need to communicate something to someone because that person created anger, I'm not going to be able to do that successfully staying angry. So I need to bring myself back over to one of more of challenge or something more positive, which then allows me to be bright, curious, and listen. And then I can more effectively communicate why I was angry or let's, you know, the lesson learned. I feel like the lesson learned comes from the pleasant side.
1: Yeah. I like that distinction in terms of the the unpleasant emotion can highlight something that needs attention. And yet the attending to that something is often done more effectively in a more pleasant state of mind.
2: I agree. Yeah, that's what I think now, you know, when I think about, is it okay that I bring back some sports? (laughs) Like, I think, you know, people get really motivated by that anxiety. Sometimes, you know, one popular athlete that I'm sure we've all heard of that, that used anger in the sense of rivalry, even if there wasn't a rival, he created one was Michael Jordan. That's right. However, when he when he stepped onto that court, it was strategy. It was tactics. It was the challenge of it. The anger definitely motivated him and, and, you know, got those chemicals and neurotransmitters and hormones running and his enthusiasm. I don't know personally, but I've done enough research and I would like to say, and I hope he would agree with me, that when he got on the court, that anger turned much more into a challenge. Mm-hmm. And that is a pleasant emotion
1: that allows us to focus. All right. Well, any other favorite refocusing questions that you pose to yourself?
2: Like I said, I do like to think less but more strategically. But I actually find myself when I'm trying to reset my emotions is not necessarily always use my mind, but to use tactics that immediately change my emotion, like music. All right. I have a theme song it's a cheesy one. I don't care. I use it. But for example, my favorite movie of all time as a kid and as an adult is Flashdance. All right. And there is a song in Flashdance called What a Feeling. I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of it or know it and they're smiling right now or making fun, but that's okay. But I will tell you that if I'm finding myself anxious or overwhelmed or exhausted or sad, if I turn What a Feeling on, If I need a little bit of an emotional reset to peace, I just remind myself of dancing around my parents' house as innocent, as free as I possibly can. If I am about to go climb a mountain, metaphorically, but I also do climb mountains, but whatever that mountain might be, the lyrics are take your passion, make it happen, dance through life. So I don't have to, my resetting is not necessarily asking myself a question. It's directing myself to the words of another song, of a song that allows me to direct my mind
1: elsewhere. That's cool. And, and so you've got your your theme song. Do you have sort of a, a, a playlist or a lineup of, of different songs for different purposes or is it always this go-to?
2: This is usually my go-to, the theme song, but I do have I do have a playlist, Perlis playlist. <laughs> and it's quite long because in that moment, sometimes I want the genre, sometimes I want the harmony, sometimes I want the lyrics, the tempo. So it's rather long, but yes, I do have a Perlis playlist that in that playlist, there's always going to be some song that I can press play to navigate me to an emotion that I want to experience. It is my reset.
1: Well, this, this is bringing me back to a teenage Pete Mikaitis enchanted by Tony Robbins, uh, sharing how to, to shift your emotional state immediately, uh, talking about shifting physiology and imagery, what you're imagining and, and dialogue, what you're saying to yourself. And, and then I guess the imagery falls in, or the music would fall into that. Do you dig that framework? Or do you have another way you think about it in terms of levers to pull t- for a emotional reset?
2: Do you mean the imagery piece?
1: Yeah. Or like, like holding your body in a certain way or breathing or your, your power moves or, or, or whatever.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, it's so funny. I started teaching this and uh, my brothers, I have two brothers and they make fun of me all the time because I always tell people to take their shoulders up, back and down and smile. So if you take your your shoulders up, back and down, you know, you're opening up your chest, you're letting room for air to come through, not just stop at your chest, but go through your diaphragm. Smiling, even through all that anger and disappointment, releases certain chemicals, gets your body language set up. In person, when I get people to stand up and take their shoulders up, back down and smile, then they give me a standing ovation. So it's, you know, it's always nice to set the room up. and, And so I do believe in definitely body to mind techniques. And that would be an example of one setting up your body to create a mental space, to create mental fitness, to create positive or pleasant emotions, movement, forget about standing still moving your body is scientifically the best way to change your emotional state from an unpleasant to a pleasant. Whether it's small movements like rolling your shoulders, whether it's stretching, opening your front body after we're all typing and and hunched over at our computers all day, going for a walk, large movements, getting fresh air if you can, even adding to it. Blood circulates through your body. Blood carries oxygen, glucose, energy. It energizes us and it makes us go from unpleasant to pleasant.
1: Mm, I, I dig it. I dig it. And I'm also thinking about Dr. Andrew Huberman of the Huberman Labs podcast, which is fantastic. He mentioned, and this is crazy. There's good science that suggests simply looking up can rally attention in terms of like what our eyeballs are doing and the signals that's sending inside our brains. It's, it is fascinating what is going on with the human body
2: straight up or to the right or to the left cuz i know we can read people depending on where they're looking but <laughs> well
1: as my understanding and i might be mistaken is you're even tilting upward your your chin and and head so it's it's up like you're looking at a tall tree or a bird in the sky and and that can spark some attentiveness and and i i think it's true in my own experience he's got the scientific studies and, and papers and such uh, underlying it. But I, I've even elevated my desk a bit more so that I'm not, you know, hunched over downward looking all day, but rather just there's a little bit of a of a tilt up. And, and I think it's made a difference or at very least it's given me a placebo benefit, which I appreciate.
2: Which you'll take too. Yeah, that hunched over, you know, orthopedic surgeons have now are now talking about the pandemic posture. Oh boy. <laughs> you know, that hunched over. So yeah, so stand up tall, get your chest lifted, smile, raise that emotional space. But you just reminded me of one more tip if I can share with about resetting. Oh, please. Getting outside, especially now, you know, as, as we're recording this, it's summer, getting outside and, and earthing. What does that mean? <laughs> it means barefoot in the grass, hug a tree, lie down. It also, if you don't want to hug a tree, although I do, while you're just outside, just focus for a minute only on what you see. Then focus for a minute or maybe 30 seconds only on what you hear, then only on what you can smell, then only on what you feel underneath you. And if you do feel, you know, something else in your hands or in your ears, the wind passing by, just focus on one sense at a time. And that allows you to also tune out your own stressors and tune in to the energy of the world
1: of nature. Okay. Well, so. Nice rundown there in terms of, of breaks. I, I wanted to also get your take on our attention spans. How do we improve them and, and beat distraction? I guess one thing is just, hey, make sure you're taking good breaks. Uh, so we've checked that box. What else do you recommend here?
2: Well, I know that it's a hard one, but I am with everyone else who believes that multitasking is one of the biggest energy drainers. So I I live in this world too. So it's not about, I believe, eliminating multitasking completely, but I do think that we can probably reduce multitasking in our lives to further increase our engagement and our intention span. So we need to ask ourselves and really be truthful, where can we reduce multitasking to increase our ability to focus on one thing at a time? And often people will say, well, wait a second, I've got to do this email and that message and this call. Well, then I propose us working on being a better juggler as opposed to a multitasker. So what does that mean? I don't juggle balls <laughs> physically, but professional jugglers, no matter how many balls that they're juggling with, there's only one ball in their hand at one time. As soon as they have more than two balls, they make mistakes and they drop all of them. All right. So we need to just go back and forth from one to the next, one to the next, one to the next. That allows us to maintain sharp attention span.
1: All right. So, so that's just sort of a... A mindset shift there. Ideally, maybe we just do, do one thing for a while and then do the next thing for a while. But if not, juggling works, but with the goal of I'm focused on you and now I'm focused on this thing. And now I'm focused on you as opposed to I'm focused on you and this thing at the same time.
2: You, yeah, you have it. And one of those things, I know we brought it up before, but just, just to enforce it, one of those things is recovery. I'm focused for these five minutes on recovery. And then I come back to this email. Or this phone call or this task.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well and then any tips when it comes to exercising our brains so that we are effectively able to engage and recover and to engage and recover and to, you know, keep on getting better and better.
2: Yeah. Use it, but be deliberate. So, you know, right now, crossword puzzles or Wordle or Sudoku, those games, even video games with my athletes, my sport athletes and my consulting practice, we actually train our brains using video games and, and games on the computer. In fact, some of us are so good that we, we tune out the rest of the world and we can go for hours. We don't necessarily want that though. We need to have discipline and we, and we don't want to have the addiction but we need to use our brain and deliberately focus in, in order to increase our attention span.
1: So then an an exercise might mean like, this is what I'm focused on for the next hour period. Like like, like that kind of a thing, like this is what we're doing here.
2: Yeah, there's something that I, um, you can just search it on, on on the internet, but I do it in my presentations. It's called a concentration grid. And all it is, is, um, 99 numbers scrambled up in a grid starts at zero, zero, and they're all scrambled up, um, to 99. And then you time yourself and not even an hour, I do a minute. And in a minute you see, you start at zero, zero, then zero ones, then zero two. And you have to go and find these numbers in order as fast as you can and see how high you can get. So I'll do this with the people that I'm consulting with, and then I will try to distract them. So I will go and distract them with noise, you know, with words. I tell them 30 seconds left. I tell them how, you know, and they have to literally focus on tuning me out. It's the only time they can deem me relevant. You know, if they hear me, I'm supposed to come into their presence and then leave. and so they are staying focused on their number. So that's just an example of an exercise, a concentration grid. You purposely engage in, in again, Sudoku or Wordle or Crossword Puzzle or even a video game or an app game momentarily. You tune in with the intention of, you know, deeming everything else irrelevant, and that's going to increase your intention span. We just don't want to become addicted. Then we lose focus on everything else.
1: And so then when one's doing these exercises, you want to have some sort of distractor in the mix to practice the ignoring?
2: You can play around with it, but I think that's real life. You know, even though I'm trying to focus on this, on, you know, speaking with you, I have intentionally turned off everything. So I will not get pinged. I will not get dinged. But in the real world, if we're sending an email... You know, we might get a text, we might get a message, someone might come into the room. So we have to practice real life. It's simulation for real life, being able to focus in on this one exercise, knowing that you're going to be distracted, but letting those distractions come and let them go. They are irrelevant. What's relevant is the exercise you're focusing on.
1: Okay. And you've got some perspective on the connection between hydration and performance. Let's hear it. I
2: sure do. Well, we are two thirds, our brains are two thirds water. So we need water to, to, uh, yeah, there you go. Have a sip. And I have my water here too, but water is so many things. But when I think about attention span and our brain, I look at water as a cleansing tool, flushes out all the toxins, flushes out all the negative stuff, flushes out all the things that we no longer need. It's a cleansing um, tool. It also is an energizing tool, lubricates, it hydrates, it gives us energy. So as we're consistently drinking water throughout the day, we're actually giving our brains energy as well as cleansing. Plus, when we're dehydrated, that in and of itself is a distraction. Our bodies react to that. Our brains react to that. We become exhausted. So that's an unnecessary distraction. We can fix that.
1: Okay. And, and so I guess how much is enough? I mean, More. I think some people will say, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I drink water when I'm thirsty and that's fine, right? What do you think? Well, often the
2: the nutritionists and the experts will say if you're thirsty, you've waited too long. And then, yes, the question is how much? So we've all heard eight glasses a day or half your body weight in ounces. Just drink more. I don't often come across anyone who is overhydrated. Most of us are dehydrated. So just drink more. And here's the thing: get into the ritual of drinking first thing in the morning. There's something that I used to do for myself before I became a regular water drinker. Every night before I go to bed, I pour myself a glass of water and lemon. To me, it was easier to drink water with lemon, and lemon is also very alkalizing, so it does to provide energy. But I pour myself a glass of water and lemon, and I put it on my night table before I go to bed. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do before anything, especially before I brush my teeth, is drink that water and lemon. And it started off as just two ounces, then four ounces, and now I drink 32 ounces of water in the morning. Sometimes I have coffee, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have green juice, like celery juice, but I'm always getting my my water in. It's now a habit because I've gotten used to that morning ritual.
1: I'm curious about bathroom trips <laughs> Sometimes I found myself reluctant to drink more water just because I don't want to be hassled with more trips to the bathroom. How do you think about this?
2: <laughs> well, remember, I said pour the water and lemon the night before, but don't drink it. <laughs> drink right, it the, Not the night before,
1: drinking, but the morning <laughs> Not up. the night
2: before. Yeah, you drink it the morning of. Yes, I, yes.
1: I mean, daytime trips to the bathroom.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I would rather have that problem then the problems that will come if I'm dehydrated.
1: So we are we talking like 10 plus visits a day then?
2: Yeah, I pee a lot. Okay. I'm <laughs> not going to lie, so I the do. That's quote of the show. We'll put
1: that on the, the graphic. That's good. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're welcome. I feel like you needed to get that out of me. <laughs>
1: but it's true. Like there is, there's a genuine trade-off and it's so funny. I think the same lazy brain for me, at least that's like, Oh, I don't want to get up and, you know, pour a glass of water is the same lazy brain who can rationalize or justify as like, Oh, I've already been to the bathroom like five times. I don't want to go again. and, (laughs) and, and, And so you're going on record as saying that, yes, there is more time spent visiting the bathroom, but you're, you're more than making up for that time with the improved benefits of, of hydration. Is that fair to say?
2: I believe that I am more efficient. I believe that I'm more focused. I believe that I am a peak performer because I am a peak peer. All right. And I will tell you though, it also forces you to get up and move. It forces no. <laughs> you to get out of your seat. <laughs> so there's there's other benefits that come with it.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, Haley, tell me anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about your favorite things.
2: You know, I think with this life, this Groundhog Day, the wash, rinse, repeat, the wash, rinse, repeat, it's not necessarily that we're, that we're, that we need to increase our attention span. Many of us actually have good focusing skills, but because we're stagnant all day and we're inactive all day and we're just doing the same thing over and over again, the boredom kicks in, the complacency kicks in. So I think it's important that we look for variety wherever we can. If you've been staring at this wall for, you know, half the day, maybe turn around and stare at a different wall. Add variety to your life wherever you can, because that variety will also create energy, which will allow us
1: to focus and, and be able to be more engaged. All right. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? (laughs)
2: I don't know that if it's a favorite quote, but I will tell you what I use for myself when I get distracted or overwhelmed. And it's more of a a mantra, right, left, right, left, right, left. And also something that my significant other is now forcing upon me because I'm learning something new and I get a little bit fearful. Get your eyes wide open. When we are consumed with all of our fears, when we're consumed with all of our anxieties or a sadness or our overwhelm or a confusion or you know anything that's that's creating that negative energy. open your eyes, look around you, take something in. So I really I really like to you know put myself make myself small if, if I will and, and really look at the bigger picture, eyes wide open and then the right left right left is something that I do for myself as well because when it looks impossible, When the mountain looks impossible to climb, whatever that mountain is for you, I know that I can get my right foot forward and then I know that I can get my left foot. So really break it down. So I don't know if it's a quote, but it's certainly words that I live by to allow me to refocus or stay focused and disciplined and determined and have my most consistent performances.
1: All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: Well, interestingly enough, I was just sharing this with my 13-year-old nephew a couple of weeks ago who had to do a simulated TED Talk for his school, and he wanted to do it on sports psychology. And so I shared with him the first study, the first documented study for sure in sports psychology, which was by Norman Triplett. And he researched cyclists, and he wanted to compare cyclist performance alone compared to where cyclists are with the, in the presence of other athletes. And when you're in the presence of other people, at least in this study, you perform better. And it's an interesting topic of discussion right now because of you know, the hybrid environments and working from home versus in an office environment and the social facilitation. This is a study that I'm really um, highlighting back and bringing back to my world and others because I do believe that we perform better when we are amongst others, not necessarily competition. I do believe that competition allows that for, allows for that too. But I do believe in being connected and being in the presence of others to help us perform better and be the happier.
1: All righty. And a favorite book?
2: Well, yes. <laughs> Robert Cialdini. That's actually, to this day, my favorite book. I think it's great. The Psychology of Persuasion. But specifically, yes. And really looking to see how we can persuade ourselves to take action. What messages we need to tell ourselves to take action. So it's an oldie, but I still, it's one of my favorites.
1: Alrighty. And a favorite habit.
2: I'll be honest. I am really proud of myself for sticking with this water thing. Um, it, it was not easy for me because I didn't like the taste of water. And I just wasn't a good water drinker. And I really, every morning I wake up, I drink water and, and lemon. I often now drink um, some green juice. And that starts my day. In addition, I make my bed every single morning. And I believe that that is super important to start my day off organized and structured, even though I'm pretty flexible and I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a structured human being, but making myself my bed in the morning allows me to feel fresh and clean when I do start
1: the day. Okay. And is there a key nugget you share that really connects and resonates with audiences? They quote it back to you often.
2: People say it's hard. It's hard. People say change is hard, you know, and when we talk about changing these, replacing negative habits with good rituals, people say it's hard. And I say, I know, so what? And I think that just kind of puts everyone. And I do it to myself as well. I think that kind of stops us in our tracks and you're like, okay, so what? It's going to be hard. And, and I say it with all the love in my heart. So what?
1: Okay. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: My website is the best place to, to find me. You can, lo- you can opt in for communications. You can actually connect with me directly through there. So it's Dr. drhayleepearlis.com.
1: All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be able to spend their jobs?
2: Well, I don't know what time everyone is, is listening to this. So depending on the time, um, the very next morning you have, what do you get to do? You get to drink water first thing in the morning and hydrate your brain.
1: All right. Focus in. Haley, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you much fun and peak performance. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated Haley's take on the emotions you experience can give you a signal, some information, surface something that maybe needs to be addressed. And yet those same emotions may not be ideal for doing the addressing of those things. So a nice little distinction there. So I'm gathering the information from the signal, and then I'm choosing the ideal emotional state to respond to that good little tidbit and more from Haley. Again, those show notes, the transcript and the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP787. Hope to catch you next time and peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.
1: Let's jump into Pepper's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets, Peppa Pig,